Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of A Kind, the co-authors of Work Wife, or just two women who feel so strongly about their relationship that they own the domain ClaireAndErica.com. Related, head there and sign up for a newsletter to find episode notes, ad codes, all that stuff. And leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463. Um, okay, so today's episode's kind of a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we we talked on a recent episode that... Um, a pal of ours, um, an incredibly talented, uh, prolific, charming, wonderful artist um, named Jason Poland passed away. He was only 37 years old. He died of colon cancer. And it was one of these moments where, well, one, I kept thinking of the song, Only the Good Die Young. But (laughs) I really was like, not like, of course, but like, of course, because he was too good to be true. He was genuinely one of those people who was unfailingly kind and generous and talented and funny and had such a unique, special approach to life. And it really just felt like, right, like it it would happen to somebody like this. If you're not familiar with his work, or even if you are, just a survey of some of his projects um, that I that we love. He did that he created this book called Every Person in New York. It was a many years long project. I think I think it was probably like at least 10 years he spent, he set about to draw every person in New York. And I think one of Jason's favorite things to, I know one of Jason's favorite things to do is just to observe people on the street, in the subway, wherever, and do these simple line drawings of them. And I say simple, but he was like technically a very talented artist. He had real technical skill, but he translated that into these illustrations that were very simple, but so evocative. Well, and they were just these like capturing this glimpse of a moment. It was like someone walking by. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like people were sitting and posing for a portrait. It was just this person, you know, getting off a subway train or something. Mm -hmm. He also had this incredible ability to recognize uh, people. ABCDE-less celebrities. and, and, And like celebrity is even a strong word because it was like, you know, like a book author who like you you definitely haven't seen a picture of right. um, or the that head sort buyer of thing. in some department store. Yeah, exactly. Like he just had this uncanny ability to recognize those people. Um, and he also, in all, so many of the projects that he did, they would be these like very sweeping kind of grand pronouncements right. like every, every person, person in New York. York, which he, so he cataloged that all on a blog and then eventually it became a book. But 
on the blog, one of my favorite things is just like this brief description of this, this very simple thing he's setting out to do. I'm going to draw every person in New York. And when the project is complete, we'll all get together and celebrate. <laughs> And it turns out <laughs> that he didn't get every single person, but he got 30,000 people which is um, incredible. in this book. Which, I mean, incredible, incredible from, you know, just anonymous people who he, you know, did not know mm-hmm. um, to people that he did recognize and could mm-hmm. call out. And I think also just exhibited the the like way in which in New York, if you're on the street, you mm-hmm. like everyone is on the street yeah. at, at one point or time or another um, and just like interacting with New York in that way. Despite there being 30,000 people that he captured, we were still incredibly honored and proud to be in the book. Two, two, two of, of the 30,000. He, he saw us at a party at Gracie Mansion and that just, I mean, it makes us sound yeah. like we're so, we're so much fancier than we <laughs> but are. But you know what? You said it best in your Instagram post about this. You said he really knew how to make people feel like a New Yorker and like, yeah, wow, totally. having an illustration of yourself at Gracie Mansion and Jason Poland's book. That that's a moment. Totally. Another thing that was a long running Jason Poland project was the Taco Bell Drawing Club, where he would invite anyone who was interested in coming to meet at the Taco Bell, typically the Taco Bell uh, on like 14th Street mm-hmm. in in Manhattan. But he did them at Taco Bells all over the place. Yeah, when he was traveling, yeah. he would he would do this and invite people to come to you know the Taco Bell and um, wherever wherever he happened to be and draw. And he was really encouraging of like, doesn't matter your experience or your skill level, just come draw. And that was part of really, I think, core to who he was, this idea of creating community that was really accepting and um, inclusive and um, encouraging. And we we heard a lot of stories at his memorial of people who formed really meaningful relationships with him. Um, and they started out as strangers who were like, I'll just come to this thing. And it really says something about his personality that I think so many people who had no connection to him, had no mutual friends with him were like, yeah, I'll go to that. And sometimes I think it was a really small group. It would be like five people, but he was just... He loved to draw and he loved Taco Bell. So like, he so why not it, combine yeah. those two interests? Exactly. Um, he also did a lot of really cool sort of, I don't want to call them bigger scale, but definitely better paying projects yeah. um, that I think really meant, I know meant a lot to him. One being a Marvel Comics cover, which was not that long before he died. And I, I'm, I think it was really wonderful for him to be able to have that achievement. And then he did a lot of really big brand collaborations. So Nike, Warby Parker, Uniqlo, um, Levi's, Saludos, Bagu. So part of what was so magical about Jason as an artist is that he was a really wonderful artist who got, in certain instances, got paid a lot of money for what he did, but his artwork was very accessible to you as a consumer. Like, in the form of a Bagu bag, in the form of a Uniqlo t-shirt, he was not about making his art the most expensive, the most inaccessible. He figured out how to make a good living doing what he was doing, but he wanted everybody to have his art, whether that meant you could buy it at Uniqlo or he would mail it to you or just give it to you or sell it to you for a dollar, which he did a lot of. Yeah. Um, Um, We were uh, very lucky to be able to experience the just uh, sob fest, uh, joy filled (laughs) event that was his memorial. His memorial in New York. In New York. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. In New York. And someone compared his work to Keith Haring in the way that um, it speaks to like a small child who, you know, is not mm-hmm. is not judging art in that way at all um, and is thrilled to wear something on a T-shirt to a collector. Yeah. To, and to Jerry Saltz and like these yes. art critics who had real, real re- respect for what he did. And, and one of so he was from Michigan and his funeral was there and um, someone 
bound together all of the eulogies. And there were these recurring themes throughout reading them, um, one of which was how incredibly generous he was with his time, with his artwork, how often he would give it away. And the other one that that came up was that he was so he was so kind and that other people were kind was so important to him. Yeah. And I think like 90% of the people who spoke about him referenced the fact that he would call them sometimes upset because he had witnessed somebody being unkind and it did not compute for him and he could not understand. Why someone would go through the world like that. Right, exactly. Which was an incredible reminder for me as someone who can be unkind, <laughs> who can get frustrated and angry and like, well, you know. I think we can all get we frustrated all, yeah. and angry, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just choosing how to uh, how to convey those things. Yeah, it's been... Choosing um, what to put out there. Yeah, it, it's been, you know, if there's anything positive to get out of somebody dying, I think trying to go about the world thinking like, how, <laughs> how would you act if Jason Poland was here right now has been a, a helpful way to think. I mean, I do think that, you know, this, his death coincided um, with Kobe Bryant's death. It was right mm -hmm. at that same week. Um, and I think for us, it just surfaced a lot of thoughts around public grief and mm -hmm. uh, how to grieve people that you either don't know or don't have, you know, that you're not um, so, so close with or having to just feel like it it is like out there in like a social media way, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really complicated and really interesting um, and a really like remarkable and challenging thing to do. Agreed. Um, I don't know. I have a really hard time expressing these things online in a way where I like want to share, but then also don't really know how to or don't like, I don't know, like feel like want to feel vulnerable and want to feel like I'm sharing something that's important, but also don't want to feel like I'm, I'm just like part of this like uh, social media economy. I don't know. It's no, really I, hard. I feel very similarly and um, I'm not someone who... Like I've never shared about like, you know, Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, right. Like yeah, I've never yeah. posted about Robin Williams dying or something. Totally. And I, and you know, I, I, same, I, I haven't really ever felt personally affected by a celebrity death. I'm sure there will be ones that will happen where I will. I think the one that most sort of like really hurt was um, Kate Spade and took me by surprise. Yes. Um, and when Jason died, I felt similarly like, I'm so upset about this. I do feel obviously personally affected by this. And yet, like, what is the purpose or who does it serve for me to talk about this in a public way, specifically on, on Instagram? And with him, how I thought about it was, this is someone who loved Instagram, who yeah. <laughs> got so much out of his Instagram audience. Instagram is a platform. Well, just like engaging with people there. He yeah. loved it. He really, he loved it. And he loved the comments. He loved like experimenting with it as a platform. I mean, um, read some of the captions. Yeah. Spend an hour. <laughs> spend one of the hours you're already spending on Instagram yeah. and read some of Jason Poland's captions. Your life will be better <laughs> for it. And I just knew that, um, that it would mean something to him and it would mean something to his friends and his fans to see pieces of art that hadn't of his that hadn't necessarily been yes. shared before to hear stories about him. And I knew it was satisfying for me to look through all yeah, of yeah, those. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, I agree. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, and this is something I felt compelled to share about, but I think it is just something that I continue to navigate. I, um, I agree completely. The, like, how do we talk about hard things here? Completely. And yeah, and I, I definitely paused before sharing about him on the internet for that reason. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know what the right way is. Um, but one of the other like nice, but obviously bittersweet things about Jason's death has been that I think he has been remembered in ways that would have made him really happy from 
outpourings of love on the internet to um, the world's biggest drawing club, which was a partnership between Uniqlo and MoMA, where they handed out drawing materials and encouraged people to draw at the MoMA, which was one of his favorite things to do at his memorial service. Um, They handed out pre-stamped postcards along with a copy of one of Jason's most charming uh, pieces Projects, of artwork, yeah. yeah, which was that Jason placed an ad in the New Yorker for the post office because- Like paid for. Yeah, paid for. Paid like for $1,200 or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it was $1,700. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so- Jason really loved mail and he sent a lot of mail and you hear a lot of stories of people just like receiving some, some drawing in a mail box and go to the post office all the time and just had especially a strong relationship with the post office on uh, Canal Street. (laughs) (laughs) Like loved the postal workers and rightly just was fascinated and like blown away by the fact that you could pay less than a dollar. You could, you know, pay so little money and this thing would go anywhere in the country. And that is amazing, especially in 2020 that that's still the case. Isn't it remarkable? Isn't it remarkable? So he took out this ad in the New Yorker where he wrote in his very recognizable handwriting, doesn't it feel nice to write someone a letter? Doesn't it feel nice to receive a letter from someone? This is an advertisement by me for the post office. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's like doesn't get more charming than that. And it doesn't get more Jason than that. Oh, my gosh. So we wanted to re-air uh, an interview we did with him on the podcast back in February 6, 2017. Um, we're just airing a sort of condensed version. And I think that like, you know, something that is something that I think comes up a lot in situations like this is he's the sort of person, it's a sort of experience that makes you think like, oh, my God, I need to be making the most of every day and I need to be doing better. Um, and all while... Yes, that is all true. It feels like so much pressure. Yeah. But I I think he is someone who just fully lived his life in the most authentic to him way and uh, did not work within structures that did not work for him. Absolutely. Um, It was the first thing you said when we found out that he was sick and you were absolutely right. He, as devastating as it is, and he definitely wasn't done living, it was so comforting to know that he had lived in a way that was true to himself and what he wanted. He figured out how to make that work. Um, so we are hoping in re-airing some of this that we can pick up some of those little nuggets that um, just kind of like represent how to do those things and like the tiny little ways of just being nice and doing small things for people and all of that. And yeah, hopefully you do the same. Thank you so much to Iconic for sponsoring today's episode. So I've talked a lot on the podcast about my smoothie routine. Most days of the week, I have a green smoothie for breakfast, and I've been doing this for years, many years, like over 10 years, and I'm always looking for ways to tweak the recipe so that it keeps me full for longer because I love smoothies, but I'm someone who if I don't have protein in the morning or really at any meal, I find myself hangry really quickly and I have serious hanger problems in general. Um, So I'm always looking for different protein powders, different ways of just sort of bulking up the smoothie. And I'm so excited about Iconic's protein powder. It comes in chocolate, vanilla bean, and my go-to unflavored. And this protein is a complete protein, which means it has a complete amino acid profile. It's a protein molecule in its natural state, which means the full molecule is present. It's 80% casein, which keeps you full, and 20% whey, which helps you get full quickly. Iconic scours the earth for the most environmentally friendly, most bioavailable, highest animal welfare standards, and most nutrient-dense ingredients available. 
Iconic also makes protein drinks, which only use grass-fed milk protein, which is richer in beneficial nutrients and keeps you fuller longer. The drinks are low sugar, low calorie, low carb, and you can count on them to taste good too. They come in chocolate truffle, which I liked, cafe latte, which has caffeine, vanilla bean, turmeric ginger, and cacao and greens, which actually has a full daily serving of organic vegetables. They're rated number one for the best tasting protein shake on Amazon. I think they taste better when they're cold, but I will say they don't have to be refrigerated, which is really convenient. So you can carry them around in your bag or keep one in your car as an emergency snack. Emergency snacks are a very big thing in my life. So this is a major selling point for me. So try Iconic for yourself. Use the code a thing or two, one word, all lowercase, to get 25% off your first order of Iconic Protein when you buy on drinkiconic.com and Amazon. Again, that's a thing or two, one word, and all lowercase, to get 25% off your first order of Iconic Protein when you buy on drinkiconic.com and Amazon. Thank you so much to Sephora Clean Color for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, so regular listeners might know that Claire and I have very different takes on concealer. Where to put it, what consistency it should be. Uh, That's exactly right. So I have been a fan of RMS on cover-up for like a decade, For so as long as I can remember. Yeah. Not as long as you've known me, but but like a pretty long (laughs) time. You've been into this for a very long time. (laughs) And you recently have been a convert to the Kosas uh, new concealer. They have a really good concealer. And I'm not surprised because I've also for a while been obsessed with their tinted face oil, which is... I like that too. We have the same taste in tinted face oils. we have in common, (laughs) which is basically like a non-foundation foundation that's so good. So... I wasn't surprised that their other sort of skin-colored cover-up uh, <laughs> product was also excellent. And I'm so excited that Sephora carries all this stuff now that we this were already is, obsessed with. Well, that's the thing, Claire. We can both get our concealers from Sephora's Clean Color Collection, Which despite they, all of this. Thank God, because it used to be that I would have certain things that I would go to Sephora for. And like I, every time I went to Sephora, I would have to sort of run through the checklist of like, okay, my Kevin Acoin mascara and my micellar water. And then I, there were, I would have to bop around the internet to get my other things. And now I can get it all there, which is great because I can get my VIB points racked up, rack them up. VIB. Yep. Um, All of Sephora's clean products are marked with their green clean seal, both in-store and on the internets. And all brands with this seal qualify as Sephora clean and are formulated without the scary ingredients that, you know, you're trying to avoid. Sephora is clearly very, very committed to all of this and not making any sacrifices when it comes to the seal. They're adding new brands all the time. Check out that Kosas. Check out that RMS. Check out that Elia. Also, the Tower 28. They have so much stuff that we are so into. So much stuff we're so into. Get the best in clean makeup at Sephora online and in stores now. We are here with Jason Pollan. Well, is it Pollan or Poland? Poland. Poland. Let's, Let's get, get that the record straight. straight. Yeah. Jason Poland. Poland. Jason Poland. You got it. He's an artist who has been published just about everywhere, but a few places. The New Yorker, The New York Times, McSweeney's, New York Magazine. And he is also the author of the book, Every Person in New York. What else do you want people to know about you? Um, I really like Taco Bell. Yes. Mm-hmm. We I will like, get to that for sure. <laughs> I like walking around Manhattan. I like drawing people, and I'm from Michigan, and I like going back there a lot. Where in Michigan? Franklin, Michigan. Okay. Where's Franklin? a little outside of Detroit, okay. about 22 minutes. About, give or take. Driving to Detroit. I, I want to dive right into the Taco Bell thing, because I think it says <laughs> so much about that. you. Yeah. So why do you know so much about Taco Bell? I, I don't—there isn't, like, a deep— 
kind of backstory. It's just I really like Taco Bell. And I liked when I was younger, my family, would we would go there kind of like as a family yeah. after baseball games or something. Yeah. So I always just kind of have fond memories of Taco Bell. So when I came to New York, I found myself spending a bit of time at Taco Bell by myself. Yeah. So I thought... It was a comfortable place to yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. So and you founded the Taco Bell Drawing Club. Yeah. So that was about know, almost maybe 10 years ago. Now. That's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. And I... Thank you. And I, um, I, I was just spending a lot of time there. I thought it'd be more fun if I invited people to draw uh-huh. with me. And so now there's over maybe 350 members around the world and country. But usually it's just me still sitting there by myself. Okay. But do you let, if people want to become members of the Taco Bell Drawing Club, how did they find out where and when the, the next The only is? rule is you have to draw in a Taco Bell to become a member. It doesn't okay. have to be with me. And there are no initiation fees. Well, yeah, no, there's not. But I'm, I'm starting tomorrow, maybe dollar <laughs> fifty yearly dues. I, yeah, so it doesn't have to be with me, but you can let me know. You can email me, and I'll send you a membership card. Okay, great. I make laminated membership cards, mm-hmm. and I write people's names on them. Okay. Yes. Um, what was the question? Did I answer the question? Yeah, which so. was why do you know so much about Taco Bell? I was, oh, I, I was like setting it. you up to talk about to tell us all about the Taco Bell the drawing, drawing club. club. Yeah. I think that. It has been something that has really helped people like in New York to find social gatherings, right? I, I don't I've know. I found that, that a I, lot of my yeah. friends I've met through Taco Bell just because I'll like be there for a certain amount of time. So people will come. And I, th- I think often it's similar people that think somewhat similar to me where it's kind of you're a little bit curious about other people, but maybe yeah. you're a little hesitant. So hopefully I make it a um, not very aggressive way of meeting new people. It's not like you're setting yourself up in the lobby of the Ritz and being like, come on by. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. And you, yeah, it's just a very easy place to get to. It's near Union Square. So hopefully it's a fun thing. Do you always order food or do you sometimes? I always order food, but I don't make other people order food. What's your go-to order? I switch it up every time. Okay. But I, my joke with Taco Bell is it's they really just have two items. Uh-huh. It's hard shell things and soft shell things. <laughs> so it's um, just what you want to put in those things. Yeah. But I, I think my favorite item is a hard shell taco, the basic one. Okay. Classic. Um, when you're at Taco Bell, what are you drawing? I All different things. I'll usually draw the people around me, but um, I find that people draw a lot of burritos and tacos mm-hmm. who come to the drawing club, and they also draw superheroes. There's a lot of Batmans that get drawn. Mm. All different things. Yeah, it's pretty open and loose. But you're really known for your drawings of other people. That's what I do most, I think. What do you love so much about drawing people? Well, I started that project where I draw people, every person in New York, uh, seven, eight years ago now. And part of doing it was I wanted to get better at drawing the people around me. Mm. And I also wanted to... um, not just get better at drawing, but get better at feeling comfortable in my surroundings. So mm-hmm. that was something that um, I thought would help me do that. And it's been an interesting project because I, I mean, I still have my kind of either shyness or reservations around people, but I've gotten a lot, I have gotten a lot better at, mm-hmm. if I see something I want to draw, I will pull out my pad and I draw it and I try not to let being nervous get in the way of doing that. Do people usually know when you're drawing them? Usually people don't know. And they don't find out unless they happen to see it on your Instagram right. or something? I mean, every once in a while, somebody will say, what are you doing? And um, Or if there's somebody, I find if I'm on a train with one other person and I really want to draw them, I'll draw them and then often I'll just give it to them because it's just the idea <sighs> That's of amazing. doing awesome. the drawing. But um, 
because I also don't want it to be a creepy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so yeah, so I, I guess, I guess yeah, people don't usually know that I'm. I, I mean, it works better if you don't know because then you're not mm-hmm. posing. Right, right, right. So I um, yeah, I try to stay a little bit more in the background. How many people have you drawn for every person in New York so far, and how many do you have left? <laughs> I think there's a population of 8.3 million people in New York, yep. and I have about 8.3 million to go. Okay, okay. I've drawn, I think, maybe a little over 40,000 people. Wow. And what's your process? So I see you have a little sketch pad with you, and I'm guessing that's where most of these drawings happen. Yeah, like on the way over here, I saw the filmmaker Jonas Mikas. Okay. And um, and I had drawn him a long time ago, but I mean, I, I wanted to draw him again. Yeah. And as I was, he was looking at a tree that had fallen down, so I did this drawing, but it was just kind of wet and very cold and windy. So my drawing is really bad. And then as I did this very quick, terrible drawing, the photographer, Danny Lyon, who just had a show at the Whitney, walked by and he introduced himself wow. to him. To, so I thought it was kind of funny to see both of them at the same time. Oh, that's place amazing. At the same time. So, this so is, they're all just usually random. I'm really impressed with your ability to recognize people. Say, <laughs> so often you post things and yeah. like, wow, that's so awesome that you saw that person. I would never in a million years be able to recognize I that person I get a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like if I How? see somebody you, yeah. that I'm not certain it's somebody, mm-hmm. I'll look them up on the internet yeah. and think, uh, I hope that's them. Yeah. Pretty sure it's them. And if I'm not sure, I'll often ask them for their autograph or yeah. I'll try to have some kind of interaction to confirm it in some way. Or if I have a friend with me, We'll kind of figure it out. But I get really nervous that I'll draw a celebrity and it's not them. So if I'm not sure and I can't kind of confirm it, I often won't post it because I don't want it to be like part of the record of things. Right, right. But yeah, I get pretty crazy about that. Can we talk about, you know, we've talked about your book and you were telling us earlier this weekend you were drawing and you were doing an assignment for New York Magazine. Can we talk about your approach to making a living as an artist? Because it seems really different to me than a lot of the artists I'm familiar with. And I really like it. Um, You seem to just like embrace a lot of different projects of different types, um, whether it's like a commission from the shoe company Saludos or doing something for New York Magazine or Or Uniqlo. Uniqlo. The first time we met you, it was at a Warby Parker holiday party and you were drawing whatever people wanted for Christmas. Yeah, I think I just try to be pretty open about the projects I do. And I'm really fortunate that I get approached to do things. Mm -hmm. And I find... I've been very lucky that I can be a little selective. So I find that if somebody approaches me and they're a nice person, then I just think I want to do this project. But if I can kind of tell that maybe they're not a very nice person, I'll try to kind of (laughs) step back a little bit and maybe give it a think. But um, yeah, I've been really lucky that I've been able to do a lot of projects with all different people. I, I think one of my first... Projects after I moved to New York, I was doing some stuff at Jack Spade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, that started because Andy Spade had done a project with Mike Mills, the filmmaker. Yeah. And um, but I think it was before I even moved here. And I so I had seen that Jack Spade store when I moved here, and I thought, ooh, I want to do projects with them because I like who they work with. Mm-hmm. And they had a bulletin board, kind of near the front of the store, so that people could just post things on. So I started having week, weekly art shows on that bulletin board and I would bring like a pack of gum so the show was catered yeah. to the people that worked there. And Did they know that you were hosting art shows? Yeah, I would like invite did? the people that worked there to the <laughs> art show. And then I found that I started to become friendly with some of the people that worked there. And So, okay, what were you doing before you moved to New York? What Did you have a formal art 
What's your trajectory? To the University of Michigan, and I studied biological anthropology and drawing and painting. So I was doing kind of, I mean, I think the anthropology stuff was mostly because I really liked learning about humans' kind of structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was doing art projects in college. I mean, I was doing art stuff in since I was little and I've always liked to draw and um, and, and I have family from New York too. So that was part of moving here after college because I knew that I really liked it. And your drawing style is very unique. It, it reminds me of like the blind contour drawings that you do in art class to get your hand comfortable, right? Yeah. Part of that is I, I often am looking, often the drawings are very quick because mm-hmm. I'm looking at the person while I'm making the drawing and I try not to cheat. I think a lot about that. What like, does that mean, cheat? Like if I see somebody and I'm drawing their ear, I try not to draw an ear the way my head thinks an ear hmm. looks. I try to draw it the way like it looks on their head. Which is kind of the purpose of a blind contour drawing, right? <laughs> right. Like and that exercise is to make you... Yeah, like what decisions yeah. you're making while right. you're making artwork. But um, I still do cheat. Well, and you have other, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, in your introduction in Every Person in New York, you have like other rules that you've put in place for what these drawings are. And if a person moves, you f- follow their movement, right? Yeah, I try to draw exactly what I see. Yeah. And um, so sometimes people will have like six legs if yep, they're walking. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. So, um, You're not holding them in a static position in the drawing. <laughs> right, and I yeah. think it works better that way. Just like what we were talking about before, if people are posing, it just, I can't get it right. And I often get a little nervous, but if they're natural, I feel like the drawing just hopefully comes out better. Something else we have to talk about that is definitely one of your arts is your Instagram feed. Holy cow, Jason, your Instagram feed. My husband and I, like if we have a bad day or whatever, there are like three feeds that we'll go to. It's like the onion and like yours and I can't eat and like a a bunny on Instagram. Yeah, bunny mama. Oh, Jill the squirrel. Oh my gosh. So there are four. Yeah. Jill's a Jill's a like um domesticated squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Like somebody's Um, pet. That's right. Yeah, wow. you'd be interested in her, I think, for sure. Um, but we will, like, look at your Instagram feed, and it is just so magical and so random, and the captions and so are authentic. so long, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I I think a lot about it, and I often worry that I'm, I get, like, too crazy. There no. are times where I'll write a caption, a lot of and the I'll captions be like, oh, end no, I with, I'm it. probably going to delete this. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. it's almost like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like, I hope you don't hold this against me. But they're not overthought in the way, like, you know, a really, like, quippy, perfectly punny caption is. You really, like, it, it's just actually your thoughts. It's yeah. much, much more stream yeah. of consciousness yeah, than all that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, often it'll be, I'll see something, often it'll be an interaction with somebody and I'll think, what am I not doing right in this situation? Or what, why is this a weird situation? Or how can I make this better? Or like, I'm often worried I'm making some kind of faux pas, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of like my mind working through that and hoping that maybe other people have had similar situations that we can kind of be in this together kind of mentality. It seems to work in that way, jud- like judging by the comments. Um, yeah, that you I, get. I mean, the other side, I get a little worried that Sometimes, I mean, the internet is just weird. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think they know me and then they'll meet me and I won't be as exciting. 
to them as they think huh. I should be. And I can kind of feel this. Like sometimes people, you're worried you're like a letdown. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, what not. do I do to make this a more exciting experience for you? Should but jump then, onto the table. Right. Yeah. And it just gets silly. Um <laughs> one of the things about that your Instagram speaks to and the types of jobs you take on is like you're really not precious about your work. And even the fact that you will just give your work out to a stranger on the subway. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a new sort of crop of artists who think that way. Um which is not, it, it's certainly not old school. It feels like you and Donald Robertson and these people who are just like, I, I do this thing and I just want to give it away and get it out in the world. And sometimes I'll get paid a lot for it and sometimes I won't. Um, but it's not, there's not like a scarcity thing that you're trying to build up the value of your work in, in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think about, um, I don't know, people like Keith Haring, where mm -hmm. it seems like very available. Yeah. And I really like that idea. That's but a I, great source of inspiration. I, yeah. I see the connection between your work. And I, But I also, I mean, I take everything very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, I mean, I take it very seriously. So it's, this may be a little elaborate, but I try to take things very seriously so people don't have to take it seriously sometimes. Mm. Like I try to think of the variables where I can make something pretty elaborate in my head to break it down and simplify it. So it's just like oh, this is something that I can look at and feel pleasure. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't quite know what I'm getting at here. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I like that that's kind of how you see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I take your work really seriously. Like, I still have that personal assistant that you drew for me at Warby yeah, Parker House. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it That's it, what Claire wanted for Christmas that year, by the way, a yeah. personal assistant. I think you wanted to get organized. Didn't Wasn't that the thing? You're like, no, I, I, no, I specifically requested a personal assistant. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then no. I dodged the drawing of the person. By, that was such yeah. a weird she boxes. She, were, she yeah. has boxes all the way up her head. Yeah. yeah, you just see her legs. Speaking of favorite art projects, what's your dream art project? Um... I did a project with Taco Bell, oh. which was kind of exciting. What was it? Why don't I know about this? It was a while ago. Taco Bell corporate, not to get too into it. <laughs> no, get into it. Get into it. <laughs> but I, sometimes when I interact with corporate world people, it's just kind of an enlightening, like, oh, this is how this works. But I did a project um, with them. They had a Thanksgiving menu in like as a corporate meal. So I did... And I think they were using Taco Bell items to make kind of Thanksgiving type food. This is so politically and culturally layered. And yeah. I, oh, don't even get me started <laughs> yeah. on the drafts of drawings I did for them. But we made, um, like I made the the menu, like I drew yeah. oh, wow. okay. a turkey and I wrote everything out, I think. And um, so, yeah, so now I can say that I did a project with Taco Bell. That's amazing. So does that mean that people who work at, Taco Bell corporate that you are like an urban legend to them? Does everybody know they about it? They have no idea who I am. <laughs> so how did I mean, you I end up drawing is, uh, the menu for them? Maybe not a public conversation, <laughs> but um, they, no, everybody I've interacted with there has been totally nice, but it's just kind of been a funny, um, like, I think maybe they just think I'm a really big fan of their brand. Okay. Yeah. They don't know that I'm Which you are yeah. a really big fan yeah. of their brand. But so how did you- But like, I think of Taco Bell Drawing Club kind of as a project. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah, like yeah, thinking yeah, of yeah. things as projects. Yeah. yeah. And, they, I, and they, they think that's like your career or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know. I would, like they said, yeah. so what do you do when I was there at their offices? And I thought, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. How did you end up at their offices though? They filmed me. I had written an article for Lucky Peach, one of okay. my favorite yeah. magazines. Yeah. Yes, totally. yes. Called The Most Beautiful Taco Bell in the World. And it was about this Taco Bell in Pacifica, California that is just beautiful. It's on a mm -hmm. beach. And um, the whole article was kind of 
I mean, obviously, it's ridiculous. I don't know what the most beautiful Taco Bell in the world is. <laughs> but it's a but wonderful to, headline. Like, yeah, right? yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah. to kind of prove it in the article how many Taco Bells I've been to yeah. and how I can make this judgment. If anybody can judge, you can. Well, yeah, but also kind of making fun of myself a little bit. But then Taco Bell corporate people reached out and they said, we've been following your drawing club for a while and we saw your article and we'd love to film you at the Pacifica Taco Bell if you're ever up there again. And I was like, okay, cool. So we... The next time I was out there, because my sister was living in the Bay Area at the time, they flew some people up from L.A. to film me and my friends drawing at that Taco Bell. And then I wasn't quite sure what it was for, but um, like if it was going to be a YouTube video or mm-hmm. something, but they never end up doing anything with it. And then they just wanted to have that on file. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Just in case things went wrong. But then they said, if you're ever down in the L.A. area, we'd love to have you at like the offices, you could do a tour or something. So I went down there. I said, yeah, like <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. So I went down there a couple months later and I it was just a very weird experience. Mm-hmm. And because um, I, I think my idea of Taco Bell is just these like fun interactions in Taco Bells, mm-hmm. not knowing the logistics that go into... You don't want to see the, pup, the strings behind this. Yeah. Pu- yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 So it was it was just kind of... I mean, everybody was super nice, but it was just confusing for I think both sides of, <laughs> of the equation uh, Jason okay so you checked that off your list Any, <laughs> right. anything are Other you going to do a children's book goals I'd love to do a children's I book I think oh, you should do a children's book everyone would book. love for you to do yeah. a children's book maybe with giraffes or something yes I, you draw a great giraffe you oh, do thanks. yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know I have goals that um I don't know. I mean, I'm really lucky right now. I'm doing a lot of projects that I'm excited to be doing. So I think just kind of continuing what I'm doing and hopefully bigger, reaching more people type projects. Yeah. Well, thank you for this. You're such a beloved, like, character in our lives and in oh so many gosh. New Yorkers lives. Yeah. Guys, I hope that was okay. Oh my God, you were so You were amazing. So I like could keep on. on going forever. I feel so lucky to have had you on here. You're, you are an icon um, <laughs> and we are so, so proud to know you. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at claireandericka.com. Hold up. 